Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 21 is where we want to be this morning. I love watching where the sun is shining. If you look over at Ron right now, he needs a pair of sunglasses on. Richard and Kathy scooted a little bit. And Attitude of gratitude. There's a lot of things that we can be thankful for. And even in this last week, as I was thinking back over all the different things that's happened, and I was sharing with Dave and some of them earlier, I was coming back yesterday morning from coffee. Sonner and I was getting ready to leave to go to Bloomington for a funeral that I was doing. And I had a shirt and tie on and a sweater, my dress pants on. And uh, I was going back and getting Sonner, and I got up to the top of the little hill just past Lloyd's, and it was like Dave's house was on fire. There was a big flame out front, and... You know, I'm thinking, I'm in shirt and tie, you know, and all this, and I'm thinking, so I pull in, it's just boxes, and I was thankful for that, and we made it to Bloomington and back, and was able to do a funeral, and uh, for some friends, and all the different things, but there's so many things that we can be thankful for, and I think we'll agree that we either have an attitude of gratitude, or we don't, and if we don't, a lot of times we have this attitude of entitlement, that we deserve these things that we have in life or the things that God gave to us. And in our story that we're going to read, I've preached on this before, but it always seems a good time to do this around Thanksgiving. Or we have this attitude of the nine lepers who Jesus healed who never came back to say thank you. And it's really having a heart towards God and how we deal with these things. Even the first Thanksgiving, after it was issued, uh, after years of turmoil and heartache, you know, if you remember that first Thanksgiving, over half the pilgrims died that first year, and even through all that hardship, they still took time to stop and to thank God for all the importance and all the different things that God had given to them, and they worshiped and thanked God. They had this attitude of gratitude for God's provision even our founding fathers knew this importance of giving God thanks for his provision. I mean, the government set aside this day, not for anything else other than to be thankful for what God has given to us. They knew the importance of having this attitude of gratitude. But then I also have to wonder a little bit. I have to kind of stop and think, um, have we as Christians... Have we as churches maybe have forgotten the importance of having this attitude of gratitude? Is it possible for Christians to kind of get into this attitude of maybe a little bit of entitlement? Maybe a little bit we deserve these things? And I think maybe when we think about it, yes, and maybe a little bit no. But even Jesus faced this ingratitude in his ministry. So that's where I want to look at this morning. So in Luke chapter 17, let's read through this story. That's in, you're going to know it, you've heard it. But it says this, start with verse 11. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. It says, they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, 
Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. I imagine this story kind of looks something like this. These ten men hear of the ability of Jesus and his ability to heal their bodies that have been riddled with scabs and flesh-eating, rotting off their bodies, uh, this disease they call leprosy. But they hear about the supernatural healing that Jesus can do. They hear about Jesus and all the different things that they do, and they find him. And they seek him out. And when they find him, they yell out their request from afar off. Because remember, they weren't allowed to approach people. They had to stay a certain distance away. Because they just weren't allowed to do that. And can you imagine again a life like this? Being exiled away from your family. Being exiled away from your friends. Not being able to come to worship. Being told you're not allowed to be in this worship time. And their cry out to Jesus came from afar. Literally, they were saying, Jesus, have pity on us. Jesus, see what we're going through. Jesus, see all the things in our life. Jesus, do something for us. Why? Because they looked deformed. They were broken. They were shattered. Maybe they cried, look at how painful our situation is. Look how agonizing our lives are. Jesus, please Help us. Please heal us. Jesus, please, we need a miracle to give back our lives. And as you think of their request, you see their cry of desperation. You see their heart and you see all the things going on. You see they're seeking a miracle from Jesus. So the first thing I want you to see is the request. The cry for help from the ten. I mean, look at the cry. And Jesus does have a heart filled with love. And I think this scene kind of reveals Jesus' heart. They're asking for pity. They're asking for a miracle from Jesus. And in Scripture, there's several instances as we read about Jesus, and he heals, and he heals people from a distance. So understand, all Jesus has to do is say, be healed. It doesn't have to be close. It doesn't have to be up close and personal. It can be from a distance. You see, love has the power to restore all that was once lost in our lives due to the disease of sin. And I think that's one reason we can be thankful today and grateful to Jesus because he is our God, he is our Lord, and he forgives us our sins daily. This is why I believe we should have this attitude of gratitude I think this is why we should praise him. I think this is why we should worship him. It's all about this attitude of gratitude. Jesus then spoke their healing into existence from a distance. And you've got to love this. He says, go show yourself to the priest and he will confirm that you are healed and made whole again and able to enter back into society. In other words, what Jesus did from a distance, he told these ten men, you can go be normal again. 
You can go back to your families. You can go back to your loved ones. You can do all the things you once were. And understand, when they got that message and they started to go back, they were understanding, because as they went, it says they were healed. Their bodies began to start healing. They went to the priest. And then they realized, we get to go see our family. And imagine that first encounter. After years and years and years of being exiled, years and years and years of not being able to be with family and friends, that first look at your loved ones coming out to meet you when they see the husband or the dad or the, you know, all these people, and at first they're probably hesitant. Now, they may have heard that they were healed, but they see their loved ones coming, but they're hesitant. They're not sure, and as they get closer, they see that they're healed, and then that first embrace that they haven't felt for years I mean, there had to be something that was there. The touch of love from another person that they were able to get. And Jesus speaks it into existence from a distance. So ten lepers in our story are healed. The priest confirms the miracle, and only one goes back to say to Jesus, thank you. Only one. I mean, it's sad, really. But then on the other hand, it's a little rude also. The Bible says we need to give thanks for his blessing. That we need to give God thanks for his blessings. And we talked about it last week. Psalms 100 reminds us of this. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. It says the people of Israel had been ones who were offering up two offerings of thanks to God in the temple each day saying thank you to the Lord. I mean it says do all these things because he has given us all these blessings and I truly believe that these lepers would have known the importance of giving thanks to God for this miracle I truly believe they knew it especially one of the magnitude on their personal lives I mean it should have been a no-brainer it shouldn't have been a second thought that they go back and tell Jesus thank you Hebrews 12, 28 says this. says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So catch that. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Let us be thankful and worship in reverence and awe. You would have thought they would have all come back to praise the Lord and to say thank you. You'd have thought, wouldn't you? It's not that far out of mind and out of reach. It's not that much of a stretch. After what Jesus did for them, you would have thought they could have said, thank you. Guess what 1 Thessalonians says in 5.18? It says, give thanks in all circumstances. Stop right there for just a second. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's not always easy, is it? I mean, in all truth, it's not easy. But why? Is it just the right thing to do? 
Is it just the proper thing to do? Listen to what it says. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Did you catch it? It's God's will that we do this. Scripture encourages us to be thankful to God for his divine provision. But only one in ten of these lepers go back and praise God for this divine miracle. And I want to make sure you catch this in Scripture. God's will for your life is to give God thanks in all things. So understand, in your outline it says, it is God's will to have an attitude of gratitude. I know it doesn't state it that way. But it's God's will for us to be grateful. Charles Dickens says this. He says, reflect upon your present blessings, of which every man has plenty, not on your past misfortunes, of which all men have some. We choose if we're grateful. A guy by the name of William A. Ward says this. He said, God gave you a gift of 86,400 seconds today. Have you used one to say, thank you? Just one second to say thank you out of 86 some thousand seconds you see i believe it is easy to get caught up in acting like the nine ungrateful healed leopards today because the rarity in the kingdom of god is the person who has the attitude of gratitude towards god in many blessings and i do believe in, in in a sense that maybe we sometimes as churches we as sometimes as christians take god and take his blessings, and we take all that he has given to us, and we do take it for granted a little bit. I mean, can we be honest just for a second that maybe we do? I mean, we come to church on Sundays, and we kind of expect certain things. You know, we expect the heat to be on. We expect the lights to be on. We expect the worship people to have worship ready. And it's not that you don't deserve it. It's not that it shouldn't be there, and it's not that it shouldn't happen. But we kind of have these expectations. But then on the other hand, we allow so much of the world to interfere with our worship, to interfere with what we're doing, to take the place of worship in church because we just maybe don't feel like it, even though the Bible says it's God's will for us to be thankful and to do all these things. And I do believe maybe we do a little bit the response. Catch the response of the ten. The ten receive their divine miracle. One says thank you. Nine says no comment. No thanks. No attitude of gratitude. Nine go on about their life. And I don't know what their story was, but they just go on. And Jesus seems offended that only one out of ten came back to say thanks. I mean, would that not be offensive to us? If you did all this and you did a great thing for somebody and they couldn't even take a second and say, thank you, what does it say to you and I when Jesus does a miracle in our life and we don't have this attitude of gratitude for his blessing? Do you think Jesus might get a little irritated with us? Do you think he might get a little frustrated in what we're doing? There's a story back in 1960. just happened up in Northwestern, up above... Um, Chicago, Northwestern University, where a young Spencer uh, University student from Evanston, Illinois, uh, had been for many years on this volunteer rescue group. And one afternoon, there was a, a ship 
full of people that got floundered just off the shore at a kind of a great distance. And this young man, Edward W. Spencer, was a student at Garrett Bible Institute. And as he was standing on the beach, he saw a woman at a far distance out clinging to part of the ship that had broken up. Well, this young man swam out to her and succeeded and brought her back. Through the rest of the afternoon and evening, he did that 16 more times. So out of all that day, he rescued and saved 17 people. And the story says on that 17th time, he walked up on shore and collapsed unconscious. And it said that he was so wore out that he never fully recovered. That even as a young man, he never got to go into ministry like he wanted. He just kind of sat around through life and did some things, but never what he wanted to do. With broken health, it says he lived quietly, un unable to enter this chosen life work of ministry. But he looked at, and people saw the teachings of Jesus in his secluded life. He died in California at the age of 81. In the notice of his death, one paper said this, said not one of these 17 rescued people ever came to thank him. I mean, can you imagine getting rescued and saved and you can't even say thank you? I wonder each day how many prayers are offered up to God each day asking for a miracle. Then God responds with a miracle, but no word of thanks in return from his people. I wonder how many prayers answered by God never get a response back simply saying, thank you. Because we're so busy. It's not that we don't mean to, but it's just that we don't get to it. And I wonder how this impacts God's heart. I wonder what it does to him. So the question for us today to ponder this is simply this. Are we in the 10% or are we of the 90%? Are we part of the 10% with grateful hearts to God, 10% with this attitude of gratitude, or are we 90% with ungrateful hearts to God, even for our personal miracles from God? You know, just think about the miracles. You know, health, salvation, families, church family, friends, and all the things that we can do. Do you know how you spot a person who is in that 10%? You know how you see the ones with this attitude of gratitude? How about using this as a measuring stick? And the next time you go out to eat, watch and see how many people give thanks for their meal in a restaurant when they're out to eat. We don't do it, do we, a lot of times? Maybe we're embarrassed. You know, maybe we don't want people to think anything different. But I know when Sandra and I are out to eat, we, we pray all the time. And when we see somebody else praying, we'll, we'll point it out. Not in a big way, but we'll see. You see that family praying over there? And it's so cool. But very few ever do that we get to see. In this news report, apparently, if you go to Mary's Gourmet Diner in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and you pray before your meal, you get a discount for public prayer. And I thought that was kind of cool. But now, atheists are threatening to sue the restaurant to stop this private business from indulging in its business practice of giving this uh, discount. And it says this, Mary's Gourmet Diner owner Mary Hagland says that the report started to spread after Christian recording artist Dan Breams ate at the restaurant and after praying over his meal with a record-level promoter was given a 15% discount. Breams decided to post the receipt on his Facebook page and it quickly went viral. 
Hagelin said she was unaware of the receipt that was ever posted online until she got messages from someone asking if the discount was real. Now, the Freedom From Religion Foundation has begun to take action against the restaurant for what they say is civil rights violation. Attorney Elizabeth Cavill wrote a letter to Hagelin saying this, It is illegal for Mary's Gourmet Diner to discriminate or show favoritism on the basis of religion. Can you believe this? I mean, this is a true story. I can, I can give you the, where you can go find it. Can you believe it? But if you take time to look at our country and you look at it as a whole, there's risen an attitude of disrespect to the, our Lord and not an attitude of gratefulness. I mean, it's not hard to see, is it? When you look at the news and you see what's going on in the world today, that we just don't care as a world. As a matter of fact, some are offended by the, what we just learned. If you would take that out, that message out about that story, about 15%, you would find people who would agree that they shouldn't be allowed to do that. Just for praying in public. So what we see is 90% of those who are not appreciative to what Jesus had done for them. What do you think the percentage is today? I mean, if in Jesus' day, if it was 90%, if Jesus is using these numbers, what is it today? Maybe they thought they had the right to expect this healing. And I think maybe we take God for granted, and I think they did. Maybe they would have felt entitled to this miracle. Maybe they thought God owed them this miracle. Maybe they were so filled with ingratitude, they could just not take time to praise God and thank God for restoring their lives. So that 90% of those healed, delivered, saved from a life of misery, reunited with their family and friends, got their old jobs back, returned to their society, never came back to say thank you for Jesus or to Jesus. And you have to say how ungrateful. But you also have to think, no wonder Jesus seemed frustrated. I mean, didn't he say, where are the other nine? Only one came back? Where's the rest of them? And it, it, he had to be frustrated. Makes me wonder if this story of healing reflects all those who've been saved and healed by Jesus. And on average, only 10% really thank Jesus for his miracles and his touch, while 90% don't even acknowledge what we've done or what he's done for us. They can't even say, God, thank you for restoring my life. God, thank you for the promise of eternal life. God, thank you for all that you've done for me in and through this life. And yeah, God, even though I'm going through a storm right now and I'm struggling with some things right now, I know you're with me, that you're giving me strength for each day, even though I'm tired when I start and I'm tired when I end. God, thank you for being with me. But sometimes we get up tired and we go to bed tired and we fall asleep and we never truly thank God. Can I tell you something? We are here. And we gather here to say thank you to Jesus for his provisions and restoration in our lives. Yes, we are here and we are 10% and say to Jesus, thank you. And I'm talking big church all over the world. Hopefully we're the 10% that will say thank you. Thank you for providing for me, for healing for me, for delivering me, for meeting my needs. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing my life. And you can look around at the overabundance of everything we have 
And we should be able to say, thank you. You see, you can go on a mission trip, and, and I've been to different places, and I remember my daughters, when they went down to Juarez, Mexico the first time, and I knew it was going to change their life and what they were going to see, but they came back, and they started going through their bedrooms of all the stuff they didn't need anymore, and they reduced everything. And you go on mission trips, and you see people who have very little to be so thankful to the Lord for his hand of blessings. Check out this picture. I saw this on Facebook, and I thought it was is really kind of cool and it just says this it says the world can learn a lot from this photo this child has nothing to eat but when given two lollipops he offered one to the photographer think about that kid has nothing but given two lollipops he offers one to somebody else and what would our world do today I got two lollipops one's going in my pocket for later you know I thought that picture was so powerful. And I think it kind of tells us what the world is doing today. You see, Jesus says, your faith in me, your belief in me has made you well. Jesus saw the inside of this man's heart, a heart of gratitude and a heart of thanksgiving. And that's all I'm asking. That's all I'm praying about today, that we have this heart of thanksgiving that Jesus has given to us. Because you see the man, the one who came back, was probably the one who shouldn't. Because when you read about him, he was non-Jewish. He's the one that shouldn't have come back to thank Jesus. But he did, because he understood. So what do we need to learn from this message and story? I think we need to learn that we need to be thankful for the things Jesus does for us each and every day. When we wake up each morning when we wake up and we know that we're alive. Why do we need to know this? Because if we do not cultivate this attitude of gratitude, we will offend Jesus if we never thank him for our blessings. And I think we need to do that. And what do we need to do? We need to live a life where we say, thank the Lord every day, and especially take time at Thanksgiving to ponder all the things we need to be thankful for. And again, why do we need to do it? Because it's a character trait. And it's especially a character trait Christians need to have because we are part of the kingdom of heaven. It's an internal attitude that brings praise and glory to Jesus. And I can guarantee you without a doubt that we have this attitude of gratitude and we develop this heart. I guarantee you people will see it through us and in us. And they're going to wonder, why are you so thankful? You know, why do you tell the waitress thank you even after she was late with your meal and all those different things. Because that's who we are. That's who we should be.